0: This summer, a podcast that will change your life. The Four Garys. Gary, number one, has laser eyes. Gary, number two, has tank treads for legs. Gary, number three, and Gary, number four, both share the same ear. The Four Garys. Will you be along for the ride? Brought to you by Gilboa
1: Fruit, where freshness is our first name. Gilboa. Well, hello,
0: Riley. Welcome back to The Weird. How are you doing? I'm, I'm great, and I'm super happy to be here. Did you go for a hike after that last episode? You seemed very <laughs> excited about the prospect of entering that world. Do you have a nickname yet? I haven't even thought of my trail name. Really? But you know what? I'm still fascinated by that whole subculture of hiking. I thought hiking was just like, you know. You- I, I have my uh, hike, hiker name. And I've known I'm, it for years. I'm afraid to ask. Laser Lazaro Phillips. Why that? <laughs> yeah, right. Why that? Isn't it obvious? And I've got yours. The Hamilton helmet. <laughs> what, why? I don't know. Because those are the first words that came into my head. Brought to you by Gilboa Gil- Fruit. Brought to you by Gilboa. If you eat Gilboa, Gilboa, I can't talk. I'm drunk on water. If you eat enough Gilboa Fruit, you can improvise just like me and Riley. Gilboa Fruit. If you don't shit your pants, it's a good day. What is happening in your world right now, Riley? Any fires in your home? Stabbings? Muggings? No. I'm having a good time. You moving into your uh, Dagaba hut soon? Three months and counting. It's in three months. Mm-hmm. you must be very excited have you started packing yeah oh yeah god yes and yeah. we go um because we have so many
1: books i have like i honestly have about 30 cartons of books every time i move Ooh. i know my movers hate me because they're heavy yeah not the movers the books um we go all the time and we peer in the windows and we can see like oh today you know the electricity went in oh now they're drywalling actually tonight we went and they're drywalling and uh, mm-hmm. it's very exciting so um yeah they're way ahead of schedule and i just want to be there now and you know what Dan as part of the the neighborhood i'm moving into they own like 30 acres of hiking trails
0: that oh. belong to the neighborhood so i'll be hiking oh. in the woods quite a bit actually with my dog wow yeah this is uh located in the gadno hills is it not yeah it's yeah. Uh, our backyard is a provincial park national park yeah it's it's one of those uh idyllic very scenic areas of canada lots of maple trees and and evergreens
1: yeah and it looks like a little resort town mm-hmm. it's all like really brightly painted places and there's like candle makers and bakers and yeah it's wow. it's a beautiful little resort community yeah, very cool so, so
0: you're gonna rock me this week with a story i thought that uh i i thought long and hard about uh what i said at the end of the last episode about what i was going to do do you remember what i said
1: Ever since I was a young boy, I played yeah. a silver ball, and I
0: realized if I'm going to do this thing properly, I'm going to need a pinball machine and a revolving stage and a replica of a World War II uh, a parachuter, uh plane. And I just didn't feel like forking over the dough for all that, so I changed it up and I'm doing a different show t- uh, this week.
1: Okay, yeah, you know what? You know what you just described. You just described that um, the play that the guy puts on in that movie Rushmore. Oh. Miss Saigon. No, it wasn't Miss Saigon, was
0: it? Wasn't it? With the helicopter?
1: It was but that wasn't Miss Saigon. I thought it was just a school battle. Like
0: it was a battle he brought to life. Right? You're right. You're right. It was. Yes. I loved that movie. Speaking of speaking of this, I've so I have Disney Plus and they now have all Wes Anderson stuff. Everything.
1: How'd they get it? I don't know.
0: Oh sell out. So I'm watching the Darjeeling lim- uh, Limit. I'm finishing that tonight. Not as good, not his best. I, but I li- No, but I still like it. Like it's yeah. it's sharp dialogue. But also, this is the other part of this. I'm also watching Bored to Death on HBO, the old Jason Schwartzman, Ted Danson, and Zach Galifianakis show. Okay, I never heard so of it. So good, so funny. It's not Wes Anderson, but it could be very quirky humor. I think you would enjoy it no so this week actually i'm this is a a recommendation from one of our listeners tanya roland oh who asked for this to be covered and what i thought i would do and it's funny because this is one of those ones where i feel like you're gonna say oh i know everything about it because there's so much of this on the internet i knew nothing about this place there's one story that comes out of the the place i'm going to talk about That was all over the news and when i heard oh yeah okay i do remember that but all the rest of it i never knew any of it so tonight what i want to cover is the cecil hotel or Cecil hotel depending on Mm. where on the planet you're from right (laughs) so it is one of the most infamous hotels in america and possibly in the world well do you know what i hate to have to say this but do you know what really put this whole
1: mystery on the map american horror story it did. It certainly brought it to another level, didn't it? Yeah,
0: it did. Because then everybody wanted to know uh, the history of the hotel. The but he brought it. He wanted to, to cover it. What's his name again? Ryan Murphy. Murphy. He. I mean, he. I guess researches this kinds of these kinds of stories, and so it it was already famous, of course, before that. But it it gained a global audience, of course, with uh, American Horror Story. Yes. And it's been featured in a number of of those shitty ghost story TV shows. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one recent one where they actually got to go in and I watched it and I'm not even going to reference it. It's so ridiculous and dumb. Anything interesting that they claim happened never happens on camera and but they feel cold spots and crap. You like that. know
1: how I feel about those. Yeah, yeah,
0: well, and I do too. And then, and then, of course, mo- most recently, there's a famous documentary on Netflix, "The Vanishing," uh, at Cecil Hotel, I believe it's called. That it's getting a lot of buzz and attention. Every time I log onto Netflix, it's in like top ten popular. Yeah, yeah, and it's a four parter. It's interesting. It's it's one of those ones you should watch through to the end because it uh, they present all of. And it's it's talking about Elisa Lamb, who I'll get into more detail later on in the uh, in the show. It tries to present a balanced picture. At times, it looks like it's a bit absurd, but they they eventually get to I think a pretty good sort of balanced story. Anyway, we'll get into that later. So, in 1927, the Cecil Hotel opens mm. amid the financial and cultural boom of the 1920s the Beaux Arts Style Cecil, was officially open for business, backed by several million dollars in investments from three hoteliers, totaling about $13 million in modern money. It spans 19 floors, has 600 rooms, and was decked out with a lavish marble lobby. I don't know, have you ever actually seen what it looks like? Yes, it's beautiful. It's gorgeous. In fact, in that Documentary There's a, a couple from England that were in the hotel at the time of Elisa Lamb's uh, vanishing. And they talk about going into the lobby. They they kind of went through one of these discount packages, you know, mm-hmm. not Expedia type thing. And they walked in the lobby and they're like, oh my God, look what we found. This is amazing. Yeah. And then you go up into the room and realize how <laughs> dilapidated and terrible it is. That's happened to me. Oh. So it was built with the intention of being a comfortable and polished spot for business travelers and Hollywood tourists to enjoy. It's smack dab in the middle of Hollywood, yes. like downtown L.A. Unfortunately for the hotel's owners, within just a few years of the Cecil's opening, the Great Depression sunk in, which not only limited the number of travelers looking for a fancy place to stay, but also turned the area surrounding the hotel into into what is now known as skid row. I knew that too. Did you know the origin of skid row?
1: Like the phrase? Yeah, yeah. Does it mean skid marks in your underpants?
0: You know what? <laughs> well, <laughs> you I don't know.
1: No. Well,
0: but that's kind of, I think, what I thought it was when I was a kid. I, don't, I honestly don't know. A skid row would be a road where they would uh, uh, skid logs. So it's often associated with logging camps and it's a term used pretty much all up and down the, the West coast of the United States and in even parts of Canada, like Vancouver and places like that. So in the area that the current skid row in LA is, that would have been, um, where they were constructing railroads and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And there would have been a skid row there. So that's why it had, it, 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 that's its original name. Now it's associated with utter poverty.
1: I was in a uh, musical that has a number about Skid Row in it. Well, cats?
0: Little Shop of Horrors. Oh, you were in that. Were you the plant? Was I the plant? No. Who's Seymour? Is he the guy? The, Seymour's uh, the guy,
1: the lead guy. The Rick Moranis? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Guy? Okay. Can't you see it? I was actually pretty good at it. I could see you being the plant.
1: No. It was my first professional gig. I got a acting credit for my
0: union card from that show. Wow. So... The Cecil's this sort of grand uh, venture. They are trying to do business travel, right? Think kind of like a high-end Best Western, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. It's not the most lavish place, but it it's nice. It's meant to be nice. The whole area goes tits up and they're stuck. So they have to ch- sort of change type of clientele that they're taking in. It actually, in some cases, becomes more of a boarding house for many people as opposed to a place where you stay for a few nights. There are people that end up living at the Cecil for decades. Oh, kiss of death. Because it's super, super cheap. Right. As well, the city of L.A. sort of had a containment strategy for dealing with their their undesirables. Anyone who got out of prison, got out of an asylum, was homeless, they would take you drop you off in Skid Row and leave. And you weren't really allowed out because if you left, they just bring you right back. Jesus. All the missions and and, um, soup kitchens and things like that, they're all in that area in LA. You can't find them in other parts of the city. Again, by design. We're going to keep you in this area because that's where you need to be to survive. Okay. The problem with it, of course, is that it hyper-concentrates all these, these people that need so much more support and help And aren't getting it.
1: Yeah. And that's, the, you know, it's funny because I live in a neighborhood that's being affected by that because whenever affordable housing comes in with it come a whole bunch of social problems and that's the downside of it. And it's a, I, I don't really know the solution to it because a lot of homeowners like me here are being really negatively impacted because of this massive push to bring in affordable housing. And I love that idea because I'm obviously, you know, I want people to be looked after, but it also brings with it a, a whole, a whole bunch of problems
0: I would argue that that is a band-aid solution yeah the root of the problem is the often the case it's illness mm-hmm. that's left untreated and these people don't have the means to support themselves especially if you're looking at a, a, a country like the United States where they don't have socialized medicine and if you have no money you're not getting help and that's pretty much it for you you know you're done if you don't have family or friends that are willing to to pitch in for you. You know, and I love the US. I yeah, love the US. I've li-
1: I I grew up there. I love visiting. I love so much about the US and I just don't understand why it's even an issue to look after each other. I don't understand why it's debated. I don't understand why healthcare, why is that a fucking problem? Why would you want the care of your person to be in the hands of a company who's goal is to make money for its shareholders. And that's what insurance companies are. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think look at any insurance company as a good fucking Samaritan. They are a profit-building company. And why would you want your healthcare in the hands of that kind of organization? To me, I don't care if you're Republican or Democrat. To me, it's a no-brainer. Mm-hmm. Look after each other. That should be the first priority of your government. Mm-hmm. Amen. I got to get off my soapbox. I don't want to offend anybody out there. Again, I love the US, but Jesus. Sure. No, mm-hmm. no.
0: It, well, I it, and it maybe is your love for the US that makes you feel so passionate about it. Yeah. Anyway, continue, please. So you have this hotel now that is part hotel, part boarding house. As a result, you know, and, and in an area where there's lots of crime, lots of prostitution and drug use and things like that. And as a result of that, this thing has become a lightning rod for some horrible wicked disgusting acts some of the darkest monsters of the last 100 years and also a place where a lot of very weird things have happened really oh Oh, yeah i'm loving this so let's start the number is almost countless because i can't count very high of how many horrible things have happened there like i i can't talk about all the suicides and all Mm. the murders and all the overdoses and all the there's literally we we could talk about that for three four hours there's that in in fact there's a wikipedia page dedicated just to the deaths at the cecil this is wild man so it's crazy so what i i'm going to talk about is just a few of the the highlights if you or lights i guess we could call them The first time someone took their own life in the Cecil Hotel was on January 22nd, 1927. So shortly after it opened, when guest Percy Ormond Cook shot himself in the head after failing to reconcile with his wife and child. Not that weird, right? Sad, but happens. In 1931, 46-year-old W.K. Norton ingested poisonous capsules and became the second recorded suicide at the hotel. What's interesting about this, just in terms of Side research note, he's often reported as being the first suicide, but he wasn't. It was um, Ormond that was the first. In 1934, a resident killed himself by slashing his own throat with a razor. In March of 1937, Grace E. Margot fell from a ninth story window. Though telephone wires would cushion her fall, she died shortly after in hospital, and it was never determined whether her death was suicide or murder. In September of 1944, 19-year-old Dorothy Purcell was staying at the hotel along with her 38-year-old boyfriend, Ben Levine. Purcell gave birth in the bathroom to a baby boy despite claiming she had no idea she was pregnant. She went on to hurl the newborn out of her window before it was later found on the roof of a nearby building. What? The actual fuck. Purcell was not charged with the murder following her plea of insanity. And if you read a little bit about her story, like very tragic, very sad. She lost her mind. I got nothing on that one. I got nothing. Really dark. Really, really dark. In 1962, I'm going to just take a quick aside. This whole, this, this show is going to be dark. I'm just getting started here. Okay. Uh, there is some, some of the meanest, cruelest, darkest, evilest shit that we've ever talked about. It is odd how horrible things have gotten in, that, in this building. So it's almost like it attracts it. Well, that's one of the theories. Okay. That's I love the this. Theories. Keep going. So in 1962, Pauline Otten had a fight with her husband on the ninth floor when she finally had enough and threw herself from her room's window. Sadly, the sidewalk below has always been a busy one, and when she fell, she ended up landing on an unassuming passerby, 65-year-old George Giannini, and they were both killed instantly. Initially, they thought that George had actually been thrown out of the window with her, or maybe that they fell together. They didn't realize that he had just been walking down on the road. The way they figured it out, his shoes were still on his feet, and his hat was still on his head. I know. Don't.
1: <laughs> oh my God, I'm <laughs> that, such making
0: you laugh. I'm such a dark soul. Well, it's interesting. I'm sorry, but, but it's but,
1: just funny that they both thought, they thought that they both jump. Well, they because they just see two bodies lying
0: outside that have obviously fallen. I can just
1: see his wife at home. Where's George? George, where are you?
0: You're horrible. I know. It's just, I know. I know. In 1964, Goldie Osgood also known as Pigeon Goldie. She was a resident of the hotel. She right. lived there. Everyone loved her. She was called Pigeon Goldie because she would always feed the pigeons. That's what I thought. Right, and beloved. Sort of an a, a mainstay of the hotel and beloved and sort of protected by many of the residents there. So she was attacked in the middle of the day in her room. She was stabbed, raped, and died a horrific death she was mutilated and and had some pretty terrible things done to her before she died oh god and that crime remains unsolved to this day there are no leads no one has any idea how that occurred and who did it in december of 1975 a 23 year old woman who remains unidentified to this day sort of reminiscent of your uh, show last week mostly harmless died after jumping from her room's window located on the 12th floor. She was booked in at the hotel under the name Alison Lowell, but that person just doesn't exist. They got no a lot of jumpers at that hotel. A ton. Lots of jumpers. In the 1980s, the hotel became an almost post-apocalyptic hell zone. Whoa. It was virtually a lawless place where anything went. Open selling of drugs, prostitution... And murder were daily occurrences. The regulars of the hotel knew not to venture past the sixth floor. So the people that lived in the hotel knew you do not go past the sixth floor because if you go up to you know the seventh and beyond, then you are going to be an open victim potentially to being robbed and then thrown out a window. Holy shit! So one of the the, the things that would they would do is they would lure you in bring you up to the top, deeper into the building, shake you down, throw you out the window.
1: Oh my this God. This happened a
0: lot. The police wouldn't go in unless they had to. Like they, right. the police just, sta- I mean, the police stayed away from Skid Row. They kind of did a perimeter thing, right? They hemmed them in, but they weren't going in and walking the beat. Yeah. And then especially once you're deep inside this this hotel. and And what's sad and scary, there were still people coming from out of town and didn't know any better. And the 70s and 80s are notorious decades of high crime, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, New York in the 70s was unbearably um riddled with crime and then they cleaned it up. So people would be like robbed or raped or and murdered, like it was it was bad. God. According to the LAPD, there are at least 1 to 2 this is to this day. There are at least well, sorry, up until very recently because the hotels closed and I'll get into that later. According to the LAPD there were at least 1 to 2 911 calls there a day and it's been like that for, you know, well how long's 911 been around? 30 years. Yeah. So it's it's that busy. And overdoses and things like that are pretty much a daily, were a daily occurrence at the hotel. The hotel's former manager Amy Price claimed she had seen 80 80 80 80 deaths in the 10 years she worked there from 2007 to 2017. Dear God. So those are some of the, the sort of gives you a, a smorgasbord of some of the things that have happened, but there's some big ones. These are Those are some of the quick little one-offs. There's some really big things that have occurred. My favorite one is the guy coming out of his shoes. There've been some incredibly infamous monsters that have resided and called this hotel home. So in 1991, serial killer, Jack Unterweger checked into the Cecil Hotel. Unterweger was an Austrian serial killer who committed murder in several countries West Germany, Austria, Czechoslovakia, and the United States. Initially convicted in 1974 of a single murder, Unterweger began to write extensively while in prison. His work gained the attention of the Austrian literary elite, who took it as evidence that he had been rehabilitated. Sounds like you. Oh, thank you. Didn't you you go to prison? Could you imagine me in prison? I told you. Yes. I have a big mouth and
1: I'd be shivved on like day two in the
0: cafeteria. I wrote a whole uh, series of plays about you in prison. Are they musicals? Yes. Cool. So after significant lobbying, Unterweger was released on parole in 1990. Mm -hmm. After his release, he became a minor celebrity and worked as a playwright and journalist. But within months he resumed killing women. In 1991, get this, Unterweger was hired by an Austrian magazine to write about crime in Los Angeles and the differences between US and European attitudes towards prostitution. Unterweger met local police, even going so far as to participate in a ride-along of the city's red light districts. During Unterweger's time in Los Angeles, three sex workers, Shannon Exley, Irene Rodriguez, and Peggy Booth were beaten, sexually assaulted, and strangled with their own bras. His place of residence during this time? The Cecil Hotel. Uh, And what's kind of weird about this is he would have had a budget. Yeah. He, you know, they paid for him to go, why would you stay there unless you're like dark and creepo, you know? He's a big name in the serial killer world, and he's a fucking monster. Oh my god. Well, he 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 reminds me not exactly, but he has that Hannibal Lecter quality yeah. cuz he's very articulate, but, right? And, and he's a be- fucking he's charming as hell and a fucking monster. In 1994, the government of Austria found him guilty of 9 murders and issued a life sentence, and happily Unterweger hanged himself in prison after being convicted. I don't say that lightly cuz I do believe that many people that go to prison can be rehabilitated. And I believe many of the people that are there are mentally ill and, again, weren't properly. But some people are just not, they're not meant to be with other people.
1: No, I feel that way, too. I mean, some of the, if you read about some of the atrocities, some of the the super serial killers committed, I mean, they're broken people. And I think they're irrevocably broken. I don't think there's much. And bad things happen to them as children.
0: Yeah, and there's just, there's just there's not much you can do. Speaking of which. Mm -hmm. another notorious resident of the hotel was richard ramirez best known as the night stalker that's right ramirez terrorized los angeles from june 1984 to august 1985 he used a wide variety of weapons including handguns knives a machete a tire iron and a hammer and was often leaving satanic imagery behind at his crime scenes He was a self-expressed Satanist. Mm -hmm. Ramirez never expressed any remorse for his crimes. The judge who upheld Ramirez's 19 death sentences remarked that his deeds exhibited cruelty, callousness, and viciousness beyond any human understanding. Ramirez was convicted in 1989 of 13 counts of murder, 5 attempted murders, 11 sexual assaults, and 14 burglaries. He died of complications from B-cell lymphoma while awaiting execution on California's death row. During his reign of terror, Ramirez stayed at the Cecil Hotel on the 14th floor. After he would murder, he would go to the back alley behind the Cecil, take off all of his clothes, try to clean himself up as much as possible, and again, this is an area that would be dark and and you're kind of out of the way, but there there probably would have been people in that back alley, mm-hmm. you know, shooting up and things like that. So he would clean up This was his ritual. He would go back there, clean himself up as best as he could, strip down everything but his underwear, including his shoes. He would take everything off. And then he would go back up to his room, up the stairs of the hotel and full of blood still, and, um, and then go and rest and clean up in his room Mm -hmm. and no one ever said anything that's the kind of place the cecil hotel was you know what my favorite thing about
1: ramirez is there's two things but i love the fact that the people who caught him were just people he was in the neighborhood and it wasn't the cops who took him down i mean they were there but it was just a mob there was a mob who took him down i love that i love that and and did you know Mm -hmm. that there were like thousands of women in love with him
0: Yes, there was a woman who he was supposed to marry who fell in love with him. Mm-hmm. And then she left him because she, I guess there was definitive proof that he had raped and killed a little girl. And that for, well, for her, that was the, uh, the straw that mm-hmm. broke the camel's back. Eh? And then, but he did end up with another woman. He ended up marrying a woman in prison. He had those eyes.
1: If you ever well, you've seen pictures of Ramirez. It's his eyes. You just know there's something really
0: off back there. Well, he's he was a, a classic psychopath. Yeah, yeah. He so he's another interesting one too because he had a horrible childhood and they he was knocked out repeatedly by his father as a young boy, mm-hmm. like to the point where being knocked out cold. His mental illness. They don't believe he was born with it. He gained it from the trauma to his head yeah i've read that so as well in a weird way in a weird way you you can feel for this boy the little boy right that mm-hmm. was ramirez obviously not for the the monster that it became it's like that movie that i i still think it's good although watch if i watch it with vincent D'Onofrio and jennifer lopez the cell
1: such a beautiful movie oh right okay
0: good so yeah but She's going into the mind of this serial killer within the mind, within that psyche. There is a little boy that's innocent, Mm -hmm. but it's, there's a a horrific animal living in there as well. That is
1: one of the visually most beautiful movies ever made. And a neat
0: concept too.
1: Yeah. You know what? And it reminds me what you're talking about of that Peter Gabriel lyric. I'm not a Peter Gabriel fan, but one song by Peter Gabriel I really love is a song called Digging in the Dirt. And the core, and part of the lyrics to that is digging in the dirt to find the places we got hurt. And it just reminds me of that. It's like you've got to dig really deep sometimes to find out where mm-hmm. where the wound that ended up consuming mm-hmm. a person came from.
0: So the Cecil Hotel also has ties to one of the most famous unsolved crimes in history, the Black Dahlia murder. You see you shaking your head so you're obviously familiar with it.
1: It's just one of the most famous unsolved crimes ever because it was
0: so graphic. There's pictures right. of her. On the morning of January 15, 1947, the mutilated body of aspiring actress Elizabeth Short was discovered on the sidewalk of a Los Angeles parking lot. The 22-year-old's body was found cut in half. She had been bathed and drained of blood. As details of her gruesome murder began to emerge, the press dubbed her the Black Dahlia for her rumored affinity to sheer black clothes. And in reference to the 1946 movie, the Blue Dahlia. While Short was last seen at the nearby Biltmore Hotel before her gruesome death, some sources indicate she allegedly visited the bar at the Cecil Hotel shortly before she was killed. And there are many witnesses that said that, that she was seen with a man at the Cecil. uh, And then that sort of is tied to its mystery. Just kind of, you know, the murder didn't happen there, at least that that we know of. But there was a, a the victim of one of the most famous crimes in U.S. history in its orbit.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah, that mystery is... I don't think today we'd react quite the same way because we know about serial killers and we know about that kind of psychopathy.
0: But back then it was like, what happened here? Like, what the hell? You know, and I almost went down the rabbit hole of doing more on this story, but it's not really tied to the Cecil. And Mm -hmm. there's so many different theories on who that could have been. One was a a police officer, a a homicide detective, and his own, that person's own son, who became a homicide detective, is now retired, has recently come out to say, my dad killed her. Right. Okay. And... He, you know, I guess withheld that because it was his dad or whatever. I don't know. So someone that she was dating within Hollywood, you know, there's a bunch of different theories about it, but the way she was killed is so strange. You know, there's one about it being a a pimp that was sort of pimping out high uh, class uh, call girls. There's more to it than that. There's more to it than that. Well, when you chop someone in half and drain their blood and then clean their body. It was so much. And they also carved a grin into her face they and they carved out she had a tattoo on her thigh and they they carved that out yeah. like took it off of her i think it's more to it than just a simple like i'm i'm a mad
1: pimp i'm going to kill you it's just psychopathy
0: oh well and that that is one of the uh, the second play i wrote about you is called i'm a mad pip pimp i'm going to kill you I'm a mad pimp. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to slice you with my jackknife. Jesus Christ. That's the third play <laughs> I wrote about you. <laughs> hey, Catholic- yay, Catholicism. <laughs> yes. We have to make that a shirt that I people can buy. And, okay. uh, and Gilboa fruit. Gilboa. <laughs> yes. And that shirt has to be brown. A shittily drawn bowl of fruit on it and a woman with a cigarette going yeah perfect okay so the most recent and now possibly the most famous story of all uh, emanating from the cecil is that of elisa lamb on january 26 2013 21 year old canadian student elisa lamb checked into the cecil hotel she was originally staying in hostel style accommodations with other roommates But when the hotel began getting complaints, she was moved into a room by herself. On January 31st, Elisa was declared missing. Three weeks later, on February 19th, guests began complaining about the low pressure and the taste of the water in their rooms. Mm. Shortly after, Elisa's body was found floating inside a closed water tank on the hotel's roof. Her clothes were at the bottom, and the coroner declared the death as an accidental drowning. Additionally, the autopsy stated that no drugs or alcohol were found in her system, and that there were no signs of trauma. A surveillance video of Elisa became an integral part of the case. Wearing a red hoodie and black shorts, she stepped into an elevator and began pressing random buttons. Alisa then goes in and out of the elevator, appearing to hide from someone and later on to speak to them. She makes odd hand gestures and at times seems to be absolutely frightened. This video was actually released, Riley, I don't know if you know this, by the police. Oh, that was the police. The police released it. Like they got access obviously from the hotel. But they put it out online because they wanted the public's help to see if anyone knew who she was or perhaps what had happened because they had no leads. They were hitting uh, dead ends in all the areas that they were investigating.
1: I remember uh, actually when the video broke. It was huge.
0: Yeah, and and when they released it, they didn't know she was dead yet. Uh, She was a missing person, not a deceased person at this point in time. Right, right. Still, to this day, many people aren't sure what happened to Elisa. So after her body was discovered, several questions were asked. How did she get onto the locked roof without triggering the emergency alarm? Mm -hmm. How did she get into the water tank? How was the water tank lid closed after she got in? Some internet sleuths have speculated that the last night Elisa Lam was seen, she was actually being haunted By the ghosts of the Cecil. This idea is primarily linked to the video footage that we described. And according to this line of thought, her erratic movements were Lambs' response to being haunted by the many people who have died on the Cecil's property. But, like, that's not endorsed by anyone that's a professional that's connected to this case. Well, the video is extremely disturbing. So... Yeah, the, to describe that video, that again, I think a lot of people probably have seen. If you watched the news, it was all over the place worldwide. But it um, to describe it a little bit, she enters the elevator and she starts pushing all of these buttons, like down, and it's down a central row, like a, a, a like a central column. Sorry, I should say, and which is weird. And then she step sort of steps out and looks really quickly and hides at the back of the elevator and then hide sort of around the corner where the the buttons are. And then at one point she, she goes out and she's making these weird hand gestures, really odd hand gestures. And then she kind of disappears around the corner. Yeah, she definitely acts like somebody who's being pursued. She does. The first time I remember, I still remember, the first time I saw the video, it looks like someone who's hiding and is desperately trying to get the door closed. One of the things that came up with that video is why on earth did the door stay open so long? Isn't that weird? It's actually not. Cause there's a button, a door hold button that if you push it, it keeps the door open for two minutes. Uh. Like people have gone in and tried it out. Right. I mean, I remember seeing going that, it like what elevator just stays open. Like people were wondering if, if it was, she was being set up. If someone in the hotel was trying to kill, like, you know, they m- m- malfunctioned the elevator on purpose. But that's not the case. Also, with the roof, while there is a door that there's a stairwell that goes right up that you can access. It's not hard to get to. If you open that door, there's an alarm and it goes off. The police verified that that was locked, like the, the alarm was on at the time of um, like their investigation. But also they had done like a complete search of the building before they found the body, like we like the first week that she was missing mm-hmm. so that that had never been breached and these the office the, sorry the hotel staff at, at the cecil as terrible reputation as it has if you listen to interviews with those people they cared like they knew what they were doing uh where they were working who their clientele were mm-hmm. but they were still professionals okay you know? yeah and that was my feeling at least however there is another way that you can get onto the roof. There's a very iconic fire escape. If you look at any pictures of the Cecil, you'll see in uh, one of those classic fire escapes that zigzags its way. If you get onto that fire escape, you can actually get to the roof by climbing this little rickety ladder. It looks like about 20 feet from the base of the, the, the final landing up to the, up to the roof. Oh God. For most people, it would be like you would need a fire to want to use that because if you slip, you're dead. Like you're falling to your death for sure. So it's possible that she she got to the roof that way. Which What doesn't make sense is how did she climb up a ladder to these water tanks? How did she know the water tanks were water tanks? I wouldn't have known that. Yeah. I wouldn't have even known there's water on the roof. Yeah, of course. Yeah. How would she know to climb to the roof, to climb to the water tank, to open the hatch take off all her clothes, drop her clothes off into the hatch, drop into the tank, and somehow at the same time also close the hatch door. That to me is, I don't have an answer. It's a very strange sequence of events. So some of the theories surrounding her death, uh, and and there's some really weird coincidences with this one too. So one of the stranger ones out there involves the 2002 Japanese horror film Dark Water which was directed by Ring filmmaker Hideo Nakata and later remade into a 2005 English version with Jennifer Connelly and John C. Riley. I saw it. Yeah, I think I did too. Both films are based on Koji Suzuki's short story Floating Water and tell the story of a mother and daughter who discover a suspicious leak in their new apartment which eventually leads to the chilling discovery of a young girl's body in a water tower on the building's roof. This and other coincidences are presented as examples of synchronicity by some, with the implication being that a murder was potentially inspired by the film to commit a copycat crime. Possible. Mm, Yeah. One of the more outlandish theories floating out there involves a 2013 tuberculosis outbreak in Skid Row near the hotel around the time of Lamb's disappearance. Theorists speculate that Lamb could have been a test subject for a new type of TB medication, or, I love this part, or that she was sent to Los Angeles from Canada as a type of biological weapon. Because you know how we just have it out for the Americans. And we're, we're known for our biological weapons. We're just into biological warfare. Her autopsy report did not indicate that she had tuberculosis. There's a but. And this is because I remember reading this, thinking I wasn't even going to include this in, in our show. One aspect of this theory that's uncanny and certainly help fuel speculation there is a tuberculosis t- a test named lamb elisa that people have unearthed wow weird eh anyway the other one and i knew nothing about this until doing research mm-hmm. is that she was what we saw in that video was her performing something called the elevator ritual have you ever heard of this are you making this up no the elevator ritual. The elevator ritual. It's similar to like Bloody Mary or oh, any of the Oh, okay, okay, man, okay, okay. But it's much more complex. So it's folkloric. Yes. And if you go to Reddit, it's an endless hole of stories. People talking about their experiences doing the elevator ritual. Okay. You walk into an elevator, you have to walk in on a certain floor, which apparently is the floor. I think it was the fifth floor, which is where Elisa Lamb was. You walk in there and then you have to press floors in a certain sequence and then you have to ride it out. If anyone enters the elevator while you're riding this thing out, then you have to start over. However, when you finally reach a certain floor, a woman is supposed to enter, and it's said with this ritual that you will know that it's her, and if she starts to talk to you, you're not to speak to her at all, and you're not to make eye contact with her. If you can ride that out, one of two things will happen. One, you're going to be brought back down to the lobby. I guess the last number you're supposed to press is the lobby. If you end up going to the lobby, you get out and your trip is done. However, some people say that you're brought to the 10th floor of whatever building you're in. And when you walk out of that, you are in another world. Sort of that looks very similar to our world, but it's different. Ooh. Usually the, it's, it's, it's explained as having no electricity. And one of the defining features of this other world, if there's a window, you can see a fiery red cross in the distance. Oh, my God. So there's a whole bunch of rules on what to do if you get to this bonus level. They say if you want to get out and explore, you can. But you must return back to the exact same elevator and get on the same elevator. That if you don't, you will be lost forever in this other world at this end also this woman can sometimes travel with you and again she's going to try to engage with you and not to do that isn't that terrifying it's so weird like, and i've never heard of this i uh, look it up if you type elevator ritual you'll you'll see there's different names depending on where in the world it's it's coming from but yeah so some people speculate that elisa was performing the elevator ritual and maybe got Hot. Can I ask you a quick question? Now, of course, this
1: is a complete sidebar and you might not know. Has there ever been cases where people did the elevator ritual and vanished? Well, if you read Reddit, yes. Oh my God.
0: Yes. Oh my but God. is it true? No, I
1: want to like, do it and yet I don't, mm-hmm. you
0: know? I think the most plausible explanation for Elisa is that she was suffering a mental breakdown. She she was a pretty uh, avid tumblr poster mm-hmm. and would post art and sometimes little messages and stuff like that and if you look at that she certainly sounds like someone that was maybe struggling even that trip seemed like she was trying to maybe find herself the description of her having to be moved to a different room because she was getting a little bit volatile with her other guestmates speaks to that it, it, it's very there was no sign of murder all her stuff was still in her room Well, do you know what I was told? I was told that when she checked in
1: that she was told there was a pool on the roof and that's what happened. I did not see that.
0: Maybe that, did you, are you joking? Of course, a pool on the roof. Oh, for Christ's sake. Yeah. Anyway, so it, but still, even, even if you, you cut out the possibility of supernatural, although I just watched the video, it's creepy, whatever is happening. It's, it's odd. It is. It's It's very disturbing. It's a disturbing image. It's, it's also, though, uh, sort of very symbolic of and representative of what's happened in that hotel, Ugh. you know, over the years. So in terms of ghosts of the Cecil, there are like hundreds, maybe thousands of ghost stories there. And they're pretty common. And they usually have the same thread there. There are cold spots, lots of people describing encounters with shadowy figures. And there, in fact, a couple years ago, well, it's more than a couple, it's like four years ago now, a news story went around of a a photograph someone had taken of what appears to be a ghost in a window about to leap out of the window. Oh, wow. I I looked at it. uh, It looks to me like a play of light or something, a shadow, a weird shadow. It's not definitive that it's a ghost. I could see people saying that. It is interesting to look at. I hope it's the girl that knocked the guy out of his shoes. There there are also stories of people saying they see Elizabeth Short in the hotel. Right. The Dahlia hanging out. Yes. Uh, there's also people that have claimed that they feel like they're being watched, especially when they're in the showers and things like that. There's just an, that eerie feeling. One of the interesting ones, though, there's a guy named Pete Monzigo who lives across the street from the hotel. And it's abandoned now. It's, it's literally barred up and no one's in it. Uh, there's apparently a huge rental project that's going to take place, but no one should be in the building. And he has described living across. And he's up near the top. He's, he's a musician. He's a with it person. He's described countless times seeing lights going on and off, doors being opened and closed, blinds being opened and closed, when there's supposed to be no one there and you can't see anybody in it. He also um, has like a YouTube channel or something. He had a, a bit of fame when he filmed a woman standing, looking out the window, looking like she was about to jump. And it's a woman. Like it's not a weird play of light and it got a lot of attention. And if you read the wrong stories, they end the story there. But the full story is, it's actually one of these ghost hunter shows that was in the hotel. Uh... But, and he, and he says it like he's not trying to, to play it off as something that it wasn't. He kind of laughs that one off. Is the area around the hotel still a Skid Row area or is it gentrified? It's being gentrified. Hence that guy being there. And hence the renovation of the hotel. Well, what's creepy is that people, it's actually become a tourist destination. People are going to see uh, Skid Row. So the hotel actually um, split up into two separate hotels. Or two separate entity, business entities. Uh, there's there was the Cecil, which remained, you know, a, a essentially a boarding house, a way place for for people. Uh, they tried to they tried at one point to completely clean it up, but they couldn't because it had special status that meant they had to have rooms available for these people. But they were able to carve out three floors in the hotel that could actually be a hotel. And they changed its name to the Stay on Main. And that was renamed in 2011. That's where Elisa was staying. So technically she was staying Stay on Main. But in reality she was staying at the Cecil. It's all shared elevators. And you're not really, like it's just those three floors weren't the Cecil. Right. And that wasn't an effort to try to to spruce it up. They were trying to change it, right? But eventually they could not outlive the name. And so they closed. The whole thing has been closed it's been closed since 2017 apparently there was a huge renovation uh in store for it and i think the the open date's supposed to be this coming fall so fall of 2021 but with with covid that's now up in the air and and they're not sure if it if it will even reopen at all oh wow okay okay so that is the story of the cecil i'm glad because i knew of it peripherally but i didn't know the specifics that was great well thank you you know and again you you and i are both similar we're skeptics i think a lot of this is a result of what happens with unchecked poverty and a lack of understanding around mental wellness and how to deal with people that are ill and uh, it's a sad story it's spooky and dark and certainly strange there are a lot of you know places in the world that have these types of areas but don't have one hotel that harbors this much darkness within its walls yeah
1: well you know of i've mentioned this book before but i have to say of all of the stephen king explanations for hauntings and manifestations that i ever liked the one i love the most was his explanation for the overlook and he was saying that places like some places are born bad but he was also he also says that they're like batteries mm-hmm. the more bad happens there the battery becomes more and more charged and that was his explanation for why the overlook was such a hot spot for paranormal activity you know what if paranormal manifestations exist it would make sense that some place like the cecil would be a hotspot because like you said there's been so many negative things go down there
0: hundreds of deaths hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of deaths yeah so how could it not have not been impacted right yeah yeah
1: i love this story
0: that is my story this week it was bleak but i liked it thank you tanya roland because i didn't really know about this at all it's great i had just seen the
1: thing drop on netflix so i was planning to watch it and and you should no seriously watch it i will i didn't dig the uh american horror story adaptation i i find their shit always overwritten and there's too much mm. going on in that over the top yeah, but denny o'hare
0: owns that he owns that it's the his best performance i found in that season tony shalhoub's inclusion just it just didn't seem to fit that's the lady gaga the hotel is, is yes. her is yes, her season that's right. yeah did you know that i've i know like i've I've never watched a full season of that show. I have, I've watched them all, all all of them. And every time I
1: end the show with the same feeling that it's overwritten and ridiculous. And then I go and watch another season. I gotta tell you something though. I was gonna tell you earlier and I forgot. I did watch something on TV that I found unexpectedly fantastic. A hockey game. Me watching hockey. I don't understand, hockey. I don't understand watching sports. I don't, I don't. Playing, yes, watching, no. Anyway, that's just me, but I watched based on somebody's recommendation and now you have disney plus so you can watch it it's a six part series called the imagineering story and it's the story of all the people who created from the ground up all the disney world shit and disneyland shit and it's so intriguing because
0: they're called imagine imagine yeah and
1: it's the story basically from day one to now about everything that's gone into creating that experience and i thought it would be a little jangoistic. um i just didn't think that i would like it and i loved it it's fascinating and these people are so committed to what they're doing Mm -hmm. because i've been down on disney lately because i think it's got too much power i mean it's got lucasfilm it's got pixar it's got marvel it's got a lot of our entertainment dollar Putting that all aside, it's a wonderful story and the people there, it's just a wonderful place to work and a wonderful way to be, to create things mm-hmm. that are just meant to be beautiful
0: and of course profitable, but beautiful and entertaining and it's, mm-hmm. I oh, I loved it. Well, I, I will say Disney World, I've never been to Disneyland, but Disney World is one of my favorite places on the That's planet. amazing. And I'm going this January. Good for you. Yeah, we're booking a trip and we're going to do the
1: uh, Star Wars. Oh, I'm yeah! so excited. And then we're going to go to Universal because I have to do do harry potter because everyone says it's transformative
0: i went to the the when it first opened now they've added an island or whatever to the, to, to to the harry potter place yeah mind not it's blown? bigger yeah so that's just it like i i was blown by what i saw then and it was a lot smaller and apparently it's that much more extensive now the ride that we went on in hogwarts mm-hmm. was quite possibly the best ride i've ever been on in my oh life. cool so even the lineup this is what i think disney does so well too but the lineup to get onto that right which was long it was like an hour and a half to get in but you're going through hogwarts right Like you're going through you're going by hagrid's cabin you're going through the the herbology place the greenhouse you're going through the halls there's holograms so you'll see like down the hall you'll see dumbledore talking to harry oh, wow and the, the the pictures are talking to you and moving um the, you get to see the sorting hat and it starts talking to you this is all while you're waiting in line it's part of the ride see that's the thing they just think about things like that i can't wait i'm just going to do it all and i'm even going to do old disney world the original stuff yes of it. course you have you to. know I, cause, pirates of the caribbean still to this day is one of my favorite i've gone you know, I went a few times as a kid and I've gone twice as an adult. It's still great. It's campy and, and fun. And you know, Tron is
1: opening. And Tron is the world's first coaster where you lean over like you're on a motorbike. Are you serious? Yes, I'm serious. It's opening probably in January. Really? Yes. Look it up. It's already open in um, Shanghai.
0: I wonder if they're going to do a Black uh, Hole. No,
1: because Black Hole is next. is no longer um, a, a sort of... They only did Tron because Tron came back. But Black holes way in the past. Oh, that's a that's weird movie. Bad. I know that's why. But anyway, um, the Tron ride apparently is unbelievable. Because mm-hmm. you're on, like, you feel like you're on a bike and you're on a roller coaster. Like, Jesus.
0: Because I still think that Space Mountain at yeah. Disney World is my favorite roller coaster in cool. the world. And that's the Harry Potter ride, is that you feel like you're on a broom. Oh, sweet. Yeah. And you're, so imagine you're in a ride and you, you, like you're in a Quidditch match. So you're actually moving, but there's also 3D technology, like immersive. So you... You feel like you're outside flying through, you know, the pillars on the Quidditch pitch. And it, oh, brilliant. I can't really brilliant, 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 brilliant.
1: Anyway, so a big um, recommendation to The Imagineering Story. It's a documentary. I thought it was going to be dry and it's not. It's frigging great. And I was, couldn't wait to see the whole thing. Six parts.
0: Well, that's super dupes. Super All right, dupes, well, my friends. That's, let's, let's wrap her up uh folks if you enjoy this show let people know rate us if that's possible that's all we ask that's all we ask for we just ask for your support not even financial just spiritual oh i do need to tell you this really fast uh you 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 know what and i have no idea how this happened and i think it's wonderful because it's one of my favorite countries on the planet we're big in belgium now we have a weird following coming, starting to de- not weird. It's not weird. Well, it is weird. It's, weird, it's well, a we weird call them, WYRD. We following. gotta call them weirdos, right? We have to. So out of Belgium, and bad news, rest of your world. Uh, our number one uh, country, though, Canada. We're number one in our own country. Yeah, our most of our listeners come from here. Great Britain is number two, close on its heels. U.S. is three. Uh, New Zealand. Ireland, uh, Belgium, now Finland, of course, which we've talked about, which is wonderful. So we Australia. You need to go harder because you know I want to nail Burkina Faso. They say once you once you get Burkina Faso, you're gold. There was another odd one that we have some listeners coming. I think it was Qatar. Oh, Qatar! Which I thought was cool. Qatar. Yeah, I yeah.
1: love it. I love that we have people from all over the world. I love it. Yeah, and so does Gilboa Fruit. They're really
0: all over this. You know,
1: now we can now we can go to Belgium and have steak fritz and um,
0: chocolate. <sighs> Mm. I love Belgium Bruges was, was One of my favorites Beautiful beautiful ever. place Okay Let's say goodbye Okay Thanks everybody We really appreciate Your uh, following us It means the world to us To have so many of you On board This journey uh, With us Oh yeah Thank you so much For listening Good night Good night everybody the food. Is a company that will change your life for the better. Try our mangoes at Gilboa. Try our apricot, Sunday salad. If you have a star fruit,
1: you won't ever go back. But just don't eat on grapefruit.